Welcome to episode 130 of Stage Really. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stage Really is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Now, before I get to today's episode, I want to tell you about a little thing I'm putting together. It's called Shakespeare Retranslated. Now, with Shakespeare Retranslated, I take a play by Shakespeare, and I run it through the internet's most popular translation site, and I translate it into another language. Then I take that version, and I translate it back to English. Then I get a group of actors to read the retranslated version, but here's the thing. They don't get to see the retranslated version until right before they read it, and no one knows what language I've translated it into until I announce it right beforehand. I did this last year with Romeo and Juliet, and it was hilarious. This time, the play is Macbeth, and the retranslation will be read on June 24th at 7pm at the Social Capital Theatre in Toronto. Tickets are on sale now, and you can find them by going to retranslated-macbeth.groundpapertickets.com or by searching for Shakespeare Retranslated Macbeth on Facebook. This episode I'm continuing with Toronto Fringe coverage, and there are a lot of great conversations coming up that you don't want to miss. So one way to make sure that you never miss an episode of Stainsworthy is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts or Google Music and search for Stageworthy and click on the subscribe button. If you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. This week, my guest is Chris Hagen, the creator of Lighters in the Air, which is presented as part of the 2018 edition of the Toronto Fringe Festival. So the show is, uh, we're just going to jump right in. Okay. Uh, show's uh, Lighters in the Air? That's correct, yes. So, um, and that's at the Monarch Tavern, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so how is, uh, what is, what is lighters, lighters in the Air? Well, uh, it's a show. Um, <coughs> there you go. That's it. Is that 55 that's, minutes yet? That's all we need. No, okay. that's good. It's good. good. I guess we can. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be sort of a dramatic indie musical I guess you'd okay. say I've sort of gone you know back and forth between how to exactly classify it because um, people think musical theater it's a certain certain style but I'm kind of going for a little different than that I mean it started off more with my songs mm -hmm. which are sort of you know singer-songwriters some all rock yeah and then I'm like well these songs are sitting here I've written almost 200 songs and I'm focused more on acting, I'm focused more on, you know, writing fiction or drama, yeah. and it's like, I want to get these songs out there, I want to be playing music live, yeah. but I just, I'm not in that scene, right? So I thought, well, I want to try to work this into something. So originally it started off as a TV pilot, Okay. and then it became a feature film script, and then I was like, okay, these are things. But these are things that cost a lot of money and take a lot of time yeah, and yeah. resources. So can I do something live and just start kicking it off somehow and putting it out there? And I thought, well, the Fringe Festival is an idea. Yeah. Site specifics an idea. Yeah. Put it in a bar because a lot of it takes place in a bar. So, you know, uh, then it just started to turn around in my head and then I eventually adapted it into a, a, a live musical. Yeah. Yeah. What was the original the original concept for like like what was it originally about and how did that change as it developed into something live? Um, originally, and I mean, I still might want to do something with with the TV pilot style or or the feature film script, but originally it just uh, if I can remember that far back a few <laughs> years ago when I first was writing it, and I was just like. It would be kind of cool to have a, a TV show. Like, I guess, like, Glee is a musical-type TV show. But mm. this would be, like, sort of like just the indie music scene, like the Toronto music scene, mm -hmm. dive bars and that kind of thing. Uh, buskers, you know, that, that sort of world. Try to, try to capture it fairly authentically so it doesn't mm -hmm. have that extra 
that um, the whimsical nature of it, of musical theater, and then so just like each episode would have an original song, like a full song, and then maybe some taste of other songs. Mm. So you have a twenty-three minute show. Sure. You have like one full uh, original song that takes place in the in the bar, and then the rest of it is just like the world around it. So um, yeah, just sort of you know, I'm kind of moving puzzle pieces in my mind of how to adapt it. Okay, now I have to to make it a feature i have to add this i have to do that and then you're doing your whole structure of, yeah and then so like you lose little pieces and then you add bits and then um actually when i turned it into the the live show it just i knew i had to do it i yeah. had the feature film i kind of polished up the feature film for a while um and then that kind of sat there for maybe a month or so and i was like i know i have to do this because, you know, I have a show coming up. Yeah. But I didn't really dig into it. And it just kind of sat in the back of my head. And then a few little ideas for scenes came up, new scenes, how I would adapt things. And then it was probably about a a month or two. And like maybe it was like February or something. One day, just an hour, like everything fell into place. Oh, wow. Like every scene, I knew exactly how the whole live show would go. Hmm. And I was like, okay, now I just have to actually write it. <laughs> I have this whole outline now. Some of the stuff will be adapted, some moves, and hmm. it's just, yeah, it's just really just moving stuff around and kind of letting your brain do all this work and and, and figuring out what works. For me, like writing, I've done it for quite a while, and yeah. it's all editing. It's just hmm. like all always trying to make it better. Yeah. Anytime I get input, you know, when I was like younger in university and creative writing program, and someone would give me, um, you know, some feedback or something, you kind of take it with a little sting, a yeah. little bit, and then. But over the over the years, like usually there's a there's some truth to it and usually you know if you take a step back you, you can make something better so i always try to continue to edit and and usually end up with something better in the long yeah. run so i think it's interesting because i think that that the way that a lot of us react to criticism when mm -hmm. we're young or starting out is well it's immature it's you know it is a bit of a sting without mm -hmm. you know without really trying to trying to figure out like okay, so why is that criticism being given? You know, mm -hmm. digging in and figuring out, like... Yeah, and, and it's very complicated, too, because I think... I, I think that we're passionate about it or there's something authentic about mm -hmm. what we wrote, so it does feel like, you know, you do need to step back from that personal element to create a piece of art that is more accessible. And yeah. you, you know, there's often a rebellion against that when you're younger because it's like, well, no, this is closest to who I am sure. at that time. And then as that changes, I think then you're like, okay, now that I've changed myself, mm -hmm. now I can see that that person from a more objective standpoint, you know, it, it just wasn't as good, you mm -hmm. know, like and that, that whole thing is subjective, but, there's some some level of objectivity to sure. quality of work, I think. Um, so uh, I, I think it's fair to have that reaction, but um, and not just to change just because someone says to. But yeah. I think as you develop further, you've got more perspective, more experience. You can take in more information and, and, and process it sure. as it needs to. You know, yeah. like you don't always take everything everyone says, but no, but it's know. not a necessarily it, like change just yeah, because will, they said to, mm -hmm. they said something, there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And then you find a way to exactly. make it work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't just make every change that everybody mm -hmm. suggests. No, Otherwise of course, you would never, yeah. <laughs> nothing would be yours and nothing would ever. Yeah. ever and sometimes you'll get two people saying exactly opposite things. So exactly. exactly. What are you going to do with that? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is did, did, were you drawn to the Monarch Tavern for a particular reason, or um, what was it about that venue that uh, that made you want to to work there? Um, I mean, I'd been there a few times, and just something about when you walk into the place, it has a certain atmosphere to it, and I, I felt like the layout was something that was really, really positive. There's a good enough space there, and I know they had done shows with the Fringe before, unfortunately. I have not actually seen any of mm -hmm. the friend shows that have been put on there, but uh, you know, I, I thought of all the venues that kind of come to mind, that one sort of stuck with me. And yeah. uh, and because uh, a lot of bars are kind of smaller, and you know, these like even it's kind of set in a dive bar, yeah. the show um, called the Empty, like a fictional dive bar in in Toronto, but. Uh, 
uh, in terms of having an audience and having a venue that's been through the fringe before yeah. and you know knows what to expect i think is hugely helpful because if you go to a brand new place and it's just like well we need this this is that we weren't expecting you to do this and yeah. so I mean, that was the first place that came to mind, and fortunately, they were on board with with letting us put it on there. So yeah, it is certainly helpful to have a bar that that has done Fringe before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about doing a site specific at one point, and I approached a, a one bar, and they were like, "Oh no, we did a Fringe show once, and uh, you know, we have we're a restaurant, people were coming in, and mm-hmm. like, well, probably shouldn't have done a Fringe show <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we can't control who's coming in." Yeah, um, I mean, good for them for trying yeah, it, but sure. yeah, it's like it's better. It would suit some places better than others. Yeah, exactly. Sure, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen a few things at, at the Monarch Tavern. It seems like mm-hmm. an actually a really versatile place um, in terms of in terms of at least what they'll let people do with it. Yeah, I mean, they seem pretty open. Like they yeah. just they are on board with you know like independent art in, mm-hmm. in the city. Like just from what I've when I've talked to them, they. You know, they have the Canadian Music Week stuff there, and, and yeah, just for it's like an older bar, and yeah. I think that just that, that spirit I think is kind of alive there, and they want to keep that going. Like, yeah. I don't think it's a big time where they make a ton of money, so you know, we appreciate that, and we, and we work with them as, as yeah. best as we can. And but the thing is, too, the downstairs <laughs> is closed like most of the day, it's all everything's upstairs, yeah, until maybe you know shows at 8 p.m. or something, so that we'll be able to get into do rehearsals, and yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. very beneficial for, for artists, yeah. No, it's really good. Really good. Um, you mentioned uh, creative writing and stuff, um, and I noticed from your website that you you know you've got you got a lot going on. You've got some voiceover, you've got music, and you've got you know you've got some 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 film work. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start realizing that performing was a thing that you wanted to do? Uh, well, I mean, uh, honestly, I think it was quite young. Um, I still remember the first lines of the first acting class I took. I had a monologue as like, I wish I was a hot fudge Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the rest of it. But uh, it's like I kind of got away from that a bit and just not knowing kind of the transition from you know like uh middle of high school and like i was getting excellent grades in math and science and everything else and you kind of just get lost in what you actually want to do you're yeah. so young like they kind of push you to figure out what you want to do at that age and it's yeah. like well you can take like even five years and, and not like go into debt at school and you know um yeah there's something to be said for keeping momentum going and, and not like dropping off productivity but <clears throat> at the same time I just wasn't really sure, but I kept kept going, and and I did figure out maybe second year university. I was like, oh, I want to do creative writing, okay, you know, because I had done, you know, I've always written too, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of got away from the performance. Like I wasn't taking, I wasn't taking drama in my last couple of years of high school, mm-hmm. and and so I got away from that. But then I started coming back to it, and then it's just kind of gone in, in and out. And I've always taken acting classes, but just not pushing it, not mm-hmm. pushing it. Um, just the inertia, I think, of of not getting out there and, and yeah. meeting people and, and performing and uh, you know just being willing to fail in front of strangers. If you get out of that habit, yeah. then it becomes harder and harder to kind of get back into it. Oh, so absolutely! Yeah. I could sit at home and write prose and yeah. edit a paragraph for a day, and you know I'm still working on my novel. You know, <laughs> I've been working on that forever. But yeah. uh, there was a point where I was just like. <clears throat> Uh, I I need to be performing like I need to be with people I need to be yeah doing something collaborative and and and, and using the writing to help that that sort of thing mm-hmm. but not not writing in just itself because I just felt like you know uh, maybe I'll do that another time in the future but the time is now if I do want to perform to like get after it you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah um. <clears throat> What did you What did you study at university or college? Uh, your... Well, I started pretty generally, and yeah. then I just I, uh, my double major was English and creative writing, okay. and I was definitely much more interested in the creative writing aspect, mainly because there's a certain point where I was like, I don't, I've read half of Shakespeare, I don't really want to read the <laughs> other half. Um, yeah, yeah. And just the essays, like I'm just not an essay person. Uh, I can talk about stuff or analyze it. I, I analyze things all the time. Yeah. But just 
having to put it into writing and I don't know it's just uh, the academic side is just not really my thing yeah there's a certain format to an essay that isn't particularly conducive to uh, creative thinking mm-hmm. yeah and I would always slip some in there and <clears throat> but I was much more drawn to the creative creative side mm. so that was my eventual double major and the last like taking summer classes to finish those last like three English classes was like I do not want to be <laughs> writing essays in the summer it's craziness yeah. Well, but I got through it. So. Were you always doing music? Uh, well, that's another one. Like, uh, that's one of those things where I've super been drawn to it. It's like that typical actor, you know, thing where it's like, oh, I want to be a rock star. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I've always dabbled with it. I've always like written parts of songs, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the same thing. Like, part of you just you do it long enough, and part of you just says, look, if you're gonna do this, like, take it seriously. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you have. 8,000 parts of songs. Have you ever finished a song? Have you ever finished writing a song? I was like, now what you're going to do is you're going to finish writing a song. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be complete. Right. So then you got your verse, your chorus, your verse, your chorus, your verse, whatever, bridge, done. Yeah. You can always come back, rewrite the chorus, rewrite the bridge, rewrite verses, rewrite lyrics. You can always come back to it. Yeah. So then I just started finishing songs yeah before i knew it i was like you know i got 20 30 and now i don't know probably 190 songs yeah because i just got in the habit of finishing things like it's the same with anything like it's hard but you have to you know if you're making films you're doing something you get you get you film something great and then it gets into post yeah i've got a short film story yeah in post right now and it's just like that takes time but you got to push it through because yeah. you've got to complete things. And well, then finishing is, is actually really, it's actually really hard. I know. <laughs> I mean, just, just from a writing point of view or, or creating something, yeah. um, I don't know about you, but my, my inner critic likes to, or my brain enjoys throwing better ideas at better, quote unquote, mm-hmm. better ideas at me. Once the thing I'm working on stops being fun. Right. You know, when you really have to buckle down and start working. Yeah. On. And that's when I start getting the, you know, new ideas. And for a while, uh, when I was a lot younger, I used to chase those ideas, and I would put this aside because this wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this idea is better. It was new, yeah, not better. Um, and so there were a lot of things unfinished because finishing takes effort, and starting is really fun. Yeah, <clears throat> well, absolutely. And I mean, I still do that to some degree, but mm-hmm. I think there's just something to be said to having the discipline. You need you need discipline with art, I think, to have it sustain over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have flashes of brilliance, um, but to have a career with it or to develop to a certain level, I think you, you do need some discipline. And, and I, like I said, it doesn't need to be finished. Like, yeah. my novel is not finished, but it's complete. Like, mm-hmm. the whole novel is there. So then you just have a better idea of what you're working with. And you yeah. can go back to it and say, like, okay... You know, whereas if you stop halfway through, then you're just like, it's just the unknown of like, how much longer is it going to be yeah. or where is it going to go? But when you have something complete, you can more easily edit it. You can more easily work it. And the same thing if I'm working with musicians and, you know, I've jammed with musicians mm-hmm. and it's just like, I, I bring full songs complete because if you go and you just jam, you just end up with nothing sure it was fun yeah but the time goes by and you're just noodling and you're not yeah. coming up with anything concrete to, or, yeah. or what are we going to record in three months yes i yeah. don't know we got like this part and that part and yeah it's similar to a lot of different art forms i i, I find mm. actors are can be the same way it's just you know acting is something you can do without practicing right yeah like, you can't yeah. play guitar well unless you practice you can't dance Unless you practice, yeah. you know, whereas acting, you can do it. So it's less likely for actors to actually practice it yeah. because technically you can do it. You just have to say the lines. Yeah. But to get good at it, you should have some discipline practice, I yeah. think, as well. Yeah. In, in some form or other. I mean, it, it, it's a muscle. Like creativity mm-hmm. is a muscle and you have to work it. Um, otherwise it gets, you know, stiff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, an actor who hasn't, worked for a while or hasn't practiced for a while will it will take them some time to work that muscle again mm-hmm. or as an actor who's been who's been practicing um will be able to jump into it a little more easily and they don't even notice because you've just been doing it yeah, yeah it's just yeah. like yeah you've just gotten better without even noticing a lot yeah. of times yeah i do find the same thing with writing like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's you can like once you start writing you write more 
And once you so, and I think that's that's the way it is with a lot of creativity. Once you keep doing it, mm-hmm. it becomes you become a little more prolific. Yeah, well, I think your subconscious mind like provides a lot of answers based on that experience and yeah. that, that muscle being worked. Mm-hmm. If you're editing something. Where do those lines come from? The new line. It's like, well, this line's not working. Where does that new line come from? Like, yeah. You're not necessarily consciously, you know, it's part partly conscious, partly subconscious, where those those quick responses and those quick changes mm-hmm. that, that kind of happen so quickly because you're, because it's that muscle that just kind of, you know, if you're at the gym, the muscle knows what to do with yeah. how you're doing it, you know, yeah, yeah. because you've done it enough. Similar yeah. thing, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Um in, in in terms of uh, uh, lighters in the air, is this is this your this is is this, this isn't your first play that you've put on, or is this like your first live um, theater thing that you've produced? In terms of production, okay, uh, you know I've done things before, but in terms of actually I've written plays in in university and stuff, but actually producing anything. I did Second City Conservatory, okay. um, so as part of an ensemble that we did uh, our show there, and then we took it to Windsor Fringe, and uh, we performed it, it there. Um, and then I did a, a duo sketch comedy thing with uh, Scott Rawson, mm-hmm. uh, which we had we have a couple hoser characters called Tug and Chugger, and uh, we put on a little uh, sketch comedy thing at the Montreal Fringe, mm-hmm. uh, but that was like 2012. Okay. And then just so in terms of actually a play, producing it, putting it on, and I'm directing it too, which yeah. is mm. you know a lot. But uh, yeah, so it's pretty much my first thing. But I, I feel like a lot of my other experience and everything is going to help you know it, it come to a certain level. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really feel like that to me. I, mm. I mean, I guess technically it is, but for some reason I feel fairly confident uh, in the process. No, it makes um, that makes a lot of sense because yeah. with. With the the Second City experience, and you've done mm-hmm. done some fringe stuff, especially. I feel like if you if you've traveled with a show, even if it's just to another city, mm-hmm. that's a different fringe experience than if you just do a fringe at home and you learn mm-hmm. so much about doing a show when you have to go someplace else. Exactly, and I, I mean, I did a show in Australia. I mean, part of part of casts of of a play, um, and just learning how, how people work together, the yeah. teamwork that's necessary, working on films, mm-hmm. you know, I've helped out on, on films as sound person, set deck, yeah. um, writing, directing, producing, like every different role, so you get a good sense of how everything needs to work together yeah. to make it work. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. It's, well, you know, it's supposed to be fun, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Either well, way. I mean... There's 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 certainly there a site specific gives you a lot of freedom in terms of what you can do in a space because mm-hmm. you you don't have to treat it like you would if you were just in a theater it doesn't people don't have to sit in one spot and look at another mm-hmm. you can you can put things anywhere yeah and so you're not like slave to certain expectations yeah. of years of history and. Yeah, and you can be a little more creative, and it it does feel a bit more like a film too, because mm-hmm. you're you're placing it in the, the real situation. Yes. So yeah. it's kind of like as we were in there working on it, I'm like I'm kind of blocking it, like you know, like we were doing a film. Yeah. So, um, and then we'll have you know live music, you know, some rock stuff, some singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. So that being in that venue, that music venue, I think will give that the authenticity too, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, I'm really optimistic that it's going to be a, a really good show. Yeah. When you're casting the show, um, are you looking for singers who act, actors who sing? Are you looking for people who are uh, uh, more musician? What, do you, what are you looking for? What were you looking for in your cast? Um, well, uh, my goal was to find singers uh musicians who perform as musicians um i feel like toronto is so full of talent it's just kind of getting the word out about your show enough that you find people who do both very well mm-hmm. and there are people who do both very well um as well as you know a lot of musical theater types uh which is maybe not really the style we're going mm-hmm. for but there are musical theater graduates you know that i saw that you know they do the musical theater but they also sing you know other styles very very well 
So, I mean, the goal was to find great, I'm going for more of a natural style with it. So like mm -hmm. good natural actors and a bit of film style acting and, uh, you know, mixed with, you know, has to be theatrical because mm -hmm. it has to be, you know, there's, we're going to be live and all that. Yeah. So really I'm just, I was just looking for someone who, someone who could do it all, but definitely yeah, yeah. that, that, that true uh, live performance, people who've played open mics, people who, um, like one of my performers is Taylor uh, Whitaker. He's, he was in the band UK and they mm -hmm. played a ton and they kind of, I guess they've, they've stopped playing as UK, but he still does his own music. So he's played like, you know, all the bars in Toronto and yeah. he's also an actor and he's in, uh, on TV, he's in Crawford, which is going to be on CBC in mm -hmm. mid June. And, uh, so just somebody who like that who's got that acting background but also has been out there playing music so someone like that was a great find for me yeah. i actually knew him before so it was great that he came on board nice nice <clears throat> yeah yeah um i, I want to actually jump back to um the the second city conservatory um because mm -hmm. that just sort of was thrown out there um but i'm, I'm curious about uh, what took you, what, what drew you to Second City? What drew you to, to the improv world um, when you were mostly writing and maybe doing some music before? Yeah, uh, it's weird. Like, I, I, I do have a bit of that kind of every jack-of-all-trades thing. Like, I've always been into comedy, too. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in Australia for, like, a little over a year, and then I... Because I, I, I lived in Victoria, and then I was kind of living back at home in, in Kelowna, where my parents were, and uh, I was just like, I got to go out, and like, dudes, I got to push more, and, and, and so I lived in Australia, and then I, I got a visa to live in uh, the UK, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, but I kind of, I, I really, if I keep moving around, I'm not really going to get go going yeah. with this art stuff, you know, artistic pursuits, so... I was like, I, I, well, I'll try the Second City. Like, I knew about it. You know, I'd always followed, you know, all the, you know, Saturday Night Live and yeah. all the comedy stuff. I've always been into comedy. So I was like, I'll try it and kind of see how it goes. Mm -hmm. If it's, if, I, if I'm not feeling it, you know, then I'll jump over to London. Yeah. But I just kind of got caught up in it and, and yeah. I ended up staying in that. That visa elapsed. <laughs> so, uh, it's interesting you were saying about how, you know, we, like traveling was exciting, mm -hmm. but if you're going to make something happen, you have to spend time in a place. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes so much time and that's the issue with being a Jack of all trades mm -hmm. type is like, I want to be in the music scene, but I don't know people. And it takes mm -hmm. longer than just even doing a few shows or meeting yeah. a few people. Like it takes, I've gotten started to make more progress film and television and that's taken years of non-union and yeah. workshops and meeting different people and making my own stuff make uh, connecting other people to mm -hmm. to work together and just and then getting one agent getting another agent and and just keeping at it mm -hmm. and so it does take time and that's even just one discipline within art whereas if you're looking at all of it then it's even more but yeah. yeah if you're moving around then it's like oh now i have to get a new agent now i have to meet new people again and yeah uh yeah so it, it it makes it difficult i think uh it's pretty important to 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 be in a place and really just immerse yourself yeah. in the idea and just go for it you know i think a lot of people take that kind of thing for granted um i mean most people are not moving around but they don't consider how much work it takes to get things going mm -hmm. you know and the, the, the fantasies that we see in the media about what the artistic life is don't really prepare you for that. And I think there are few schools that really prepare you for how much work it actually is mm -hmm. to make things happen. Well, especially because a lot of that work is by necessity kind of on the side because yeah. like you have to work your day jobs and you have That's your right. other life and you have yeah. to sleep and you know like yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. all these things that come up you mm -hmm. know you have to deal with all those things yeah. and then you have to do this as well and uh, I mean I, I grew up in like a really small town in British Columbia called Rossland and uh, there's maybe 3,500 people there mm -hmm. so it's so small that you know even just thinking of 
stuff happening somewhere else is like this other world you know sure. so even from there it's even more difficult because you have to like move somewhere and you have to believe that you can become part of this huge thing yeah and so it, it takes a lot of effort for, for for people in that situation and then once you start to see things happen from that perspective i think then you start to realize what it takes because you've been somewhere where it's not happening at all and then you start to see success or progress mm -hmm. and then you start to realize that it's possible and then uh, you don't take it for granted as much because you've seen the change already you know? yeah you've seen results and that can kind of motivate you i think and I, i've just never been the type of person who ever can see myself stopping mm. doing this type of thing like yeah. i don't i don't i don't think i'm capable of it mm. like there's something wrong with me you know <laughs> which is fine but uh, i wish i could but no mm. i just don't there's yeah. a point where i think you just kind of give in to who you are you know and you're like this is just who i am i think you have to yeah i think you have to <laughs> um when you were growing up in this small town of rossland um, were you exposed to, did you get to see any theater? Did you see, like, what, what were the arts that you were exposed to as, as a child? Yeah, there was a, there was a small, like, artistic community there, and we had a great drama teacher, and um, there's, there's certainly a strong belief in the importance of it, and in, like, grade eight and stuff, we would go on these drama trips to Vancouver, and mm. we'd go see, and it was quite formative, because you catch the bug, like, we went and watched improv and watched, um... I can't remember the name of some of these things now, but, uh, you know, um, uh, just stuff on Granville Island mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And we would go to uh, see plays and, yeah. and, and improv and sketch comedy or whatever it was. And just being in that big city and, and seeing all that, like mm -hmm. it, it became very um, seductive, I guess, in terms of a lifestyle and a, yeah. a, a scene that was apart from this beautiful small town but mm. but uh it, it certainly sticks with you i think on some level was it when i mean you talked about uh when you were thinking about going to university that you were not thinking about about say uh like theater or or, or anything like that at the time um was that just something that was not encouraged or was that um because i know for me when when I was in high school and my guidance teacher or the guidance counselor was like, all right, so, you know, you have to start thinking about college university. What is it that you want to do? And I said, I want to do theater. And they went, <laughs> then they didn't know what to suggest from there. Um, was there anything like that? No, I mean, uh, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I can't honestly say if I brought it up i know my drama teacher was was very encouraging of, mm -hmm. of doing that type of thing um in a general sense like i was i just didn't really know you're in a, such a small place and you don't know what these careers are these jobs are yeah. like i had you know like the highest marks in my class like in in everything right so it was like you know, more likely they're going to push you towards, you know, science and math. Sure. And because you could be a doctor, you could be this, you could do that. Those are just more obvious things. And, and the path to any artistic success is so vague. And yeah. you're just kind of guessing where, what you have to do to even get there. Um, so I wouldn't say it was discouraged, mm. but it just wasn't really put on the radar in such a way that was encouraged yeah in in any real way i guess i'm mean, it's hard to know i mean did any of those academic things really appeal to you aside from the, the creative writing aspect they do appeal to they still appeal to yeah. me like i i'm interested in in everything like mm. i like a little bit of everything but in terms of for me it's just to pursue one significantly um and kind of leaving the other behind like I'm more likely to leave that behind. Mm. I couldn't see myself leaving behind writing and acting and music. Yeah. Um, so in terms of a career or like a life pursuit, you know, like if I'm, if I feel that like maybe I've only got one of these lives, you mm. know, what will I want to have done? Maybe not, you know, like, you know, science type stuff or, yeah. but I love that stuff, you know, like 
finding out about the new technologies and like cures for things. I think yeah. it's all amazing and, and I'm so interested in, in it all, but it's like, I'll be interested for a bit and then I'm on to the next thing. And sure. it, I couldn't see myself like zoning in on one career path. Cause that can get pretty specific too. If yeah. you start looking at medicine or if you want to actually make real progress and stuff, then it can get pretty specific, you know, yeah. like specializing in, in certain gene therapies or yeah. whatever it's like very specific so for me I, i'm just too interested in too many things to, yeah. to zone in like well it's that. interesting because i mean with with a life in in the arts you sort of have the freedom to you know to to write to to make a play to write some music to to do improv to do all the things that that sort of enrich each other because mm-hmm. you start to have like yes you you are a jack of all trades but like you're the guy who who knows how to make music and how to put a show together and how to write and things like that, which can make make you valuable in terms of uh, like when you're making your own stuff, you can do pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, it takes time to develop all, well, obviously all those nobody, things. Obviously, nobody nobody develops those things overnight. Yeah, so, but yeah. Uh, having those interests, I think, yeah. can and, and for a while it was a bit of a. <clears throat> more of an issue because I'm like, well, I, I, I kind of want to do both of these things. It's yeah. like, well, you need to focus on something and, and mm-hmm. make some progress at that and then bring the other in. But you kind of get torn and you kind of like, don't finish things, don't finish projects. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there's something to be said for kind of picking one for a while maybe. Yeah. And like, you know, writing an album or playing, getting your band to a certain level and then, and then going into film and then bringing in your music mm-hmm. into the film. Um, but yeah, like developing all those streams. I think nowadays when people are making their own work, it can be really valuable because, mm-hmm. you know, and then I edit my own stuff and, you know, edit music and like just learning technical stuff's not my favorite, but by necessity, you kind of learn how to do it all. Sure. Yeah. And then just being able to do a bit of everything, I think, yeah, it kind of helps a lot. Yeah. When you were just like when you would focus on a thing for a while, how, how focused did you get on it? Like... When you were deciding that you were going to learn how to how to make music, was it like was it guitar? Did you study music theory? What did you what did you do to to, to learn that? Well, no, I'm not a great musician. Like I'm a I'm a <laughs> decent guitar player. Uh, I I mean I got okay for a bit, but for me it's the story, it's the lyrics, it's the writing, it's the that's really my core strength is mm. the is the writing. Um, I like the words. Uh, so for me, it was just like, that was the core was just writing the novel. I spent a lot of time just focused on that. Like mm-hmm. I would spend some days editing. I would edit a whole day of my life. I'd spent editing like one paragraph, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like, wow, a whole day. But I get so particular, like with prose, sure. which is probably why I like to avoid it because I can't, I can't just <laughs> sit by myself in front of a computer and just be that perfectionist yeah. whereas i can be a little I, I could feel like i can be a little looser with with other things mm. um and then just re- started writing songs i got really focused on that for a while and yeah i don't i don't know that's the thing i never really got so focused but uh and the singing was another thing like i struggled with that for mm. a long time and I was like, okay, I can sort of sing a chest voice, you know, I've got a, you know, a natural voice, but mm-hmm. learning how to sing, you know, up the register and stuff took a while. Finally, I kind of had a breakthrough one day, Yeah. started getting some lessons to, to, to develop that. Um, and so finally I got a little bit better, uh, and then just putting it all together and just performing it passionately and like yeah. having that, the purpose of art, whatever it is to educate, entertain or to share feelings, you know, like that people have. So just trying to, to really be present with whatever I'm actually writing. And, you know, it's probably not perfect. I mean, you know, my singing or anything else, but if you really believe it and it's really, you know, you're connecting with people and feeling Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's probably okay. You know, the funny thing is I kind of really love imperfection. Mm -hmm. I love just not like when something is like, when you're like, oh, that's just wrong. But yeah, like when but there's, a just, bit. there's a little bit of imperfection, yeah. make something seem, I don't know, more natural, more real, so that mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's not too polished. And that's a good lesson for actors who are auditioning because yeah. 
that's a whole other thing. Like we ended up getting probably almost 175 submissions for the show, which mm-hmm. to me is pretty crazy for like a unpaid fringe show. Yeah. But uh, we, so I could only bring in so many people, but uh, you learn a lot from casting sessions. Like mm-hmm. if anyone, yeah. if anyone, you know, rather than taking an acting class, if, if your friend needs a reader for something, do that because that's an acting class oh, yeah. that you don't even have to pay for because so many people do so many great things and you just learn that it's not necessarily perfection that they're looking for it's just yeah they don't even necessarily know or it's just mm. a feel or it's a fit or you know like i cast people who stumbled over the lines it didn't it didn't matter you know yeah. because it's all about so many other things sure you know um, I learned so much sitting in on auditions, just watching people come into the room, like watching people kind of lose the role almost immediately when they walk into the room because they're like a mess or whatever. Yeah. And they're coming in with this like really frenetic energy and, mm-hmm. and uh, also just the way that people talk to the people behind the table. You can learn just watching auditions is such a valuable thing. Yeah. And I really just feel like um, I'm not audition like I haven't I don't know what other people auditioning things think, but uh, I think just that being human and is so important and connecting with because you're looking for actors who connect with their scene partners. Yeah. Connect. So you're also looking for them who connect with you and who you're gonna you're gonna want to work with. And yeah. I don't I don't think you ever need to go in and, and be perfect like they just want someone who's you know comfortable and confident enough of themselves to just be who they are and connect with the person and you're not you're not trying to win the role you're 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 trying to offer what you have for it and, yeah. and it's their role like it's their show and you know I I'll, I'll audition for something and I'll screw up and I'll be like ah oh, screw that up but you weren't gonna get it anyway right yeah. like it's like it doesn't matter you, you know your how great your audition was you know those things are not usually gonna make a difference because it's gonna come down to to are you the right fit for it mm. um, so I I feel like going in with the trying to get the role is like you're trying to get something from the person that's across the table but really you're just trying to work with them and, yeah. and see okay well I, I you know this is the character this is what i can do for the character yeah does it work for you if it works great if not i'm on to the next thing because if you come in with that thing like oh i didn't get that you know it's like well what why were you trying to get it like yeah because it's not if you're not right for it then you're not serving the story you're not serving the audience like let it just let it be you know yeah. like let it be what it is and you'll find something that is right for you if you have that attitude of just coming in and, and uh, obviously prepare, be professional, mm-hmm. be be pleasant, connect with your scene partner. I think those are pretty much pretty much all you need to do. And the yeah. rest, some days you're gonna get there late because a straight car, and <laughs> you're gonna fumble your lines, and they're gonna be rushed because they're, you know, they're whatever. All sorts of things happen. Yeah. You just deal with it the best you can, adapt. If they give you direction, take the direction. And really listen to the direction because usually if they're giving you direction, if, if it's the people who are casting it, like, and not just the casting director, mm-hmm. but they want to see something specific from you for this role that they're asking for that direction for a reason, yeah. I think. Yeah, because yeah. they need to see if you can do that as well. For what they're looking well, for. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing because if they're they're not gonna they're not going to give direction to somebody that they are not interested in. So when they give you direction, it's not because they are being dicks. Like some mm-hmm. people get really like upset that they're being like right. getting direction during an interview, but it's like no, they want to see mm-hmm. what you can do with the direction that they're giving you. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I had so many great people come in, honestly, mm-hmm. and and. I was like, you're going to hate me, but do, do you want to do a cold read? Because this is another side of this character yeah. that I didn't have in the sides that I realized that I might need to see from some people. And yeah. everybody was like really great about nice. about doing that. And I, I think it's kind of gotten around that 
of how important it is to kind of, you know, work with, with, with people and mm. how it's just a process of, you know, it's an incomplete thing just to have the sides and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and it's a, it's an imperfect way of bringing people into a, a project yeah. auditioning, but just realizing that everyone's trying to work together to make something like, and people have stuff riding on it. Like <clears throat> people put millions of dollars into these shows and movies. Oh, yeah. They can't just cast you because you want to be in it. No. And, and like, I put years into writing this and I put years into the music and I'm going to be working with these people for a month and a half. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I want to do the best show I can. So, and I want, you know, and I can only cast so many people. So yeah. there's so many great people that I couldn't cast. I was like, you just, I just don't have a place for them in this show. I wish I could. And I, and I hope they realized that they were really great, but it, it's tr it's tricky. I always found that one of the most disappointing things about about a, about being like making those choices because I, you know, I there were so many great people and you you do legitimately wish that you could give them something, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's there are only so many roles in each yeah. show. Yeah, and I I take it very seriously. Like I watched. I watched because I had the second audition day. I had so many people. I filled it up as much as I could to see as many people as I could. I did. I stopped to go to the bathroom twice. Mm. Didn't finish my sub in yeah. eight in eight hours, and and uh, and then I went home and I just watched tapes. Even the first night, mm. the next day, I mm. spent all day thinking about it. I watched the tapes for hours, like yeah. just trying to decide how how things fit together, who fit. And then, you know, it's just like at some point you have to make a decision, you know, so. Yeah. But, and uh, did you make those decisions just yourself or did, did you bounce ideas off people? Or is there, was there anybody else at the table uh, with you? Well, because I'm, because I'm, I did have people in the room with me and then uh, uh, because I'm directing myself and, and uh, I've done that before and it's pretty tricky. Yeah. Especially with film because you have to get those takes on the day. So theater, hopefully I have a bit more time, but I've got two assistant directors who are helping me mm -hmm. um, with this. And uh, one of them, I was like, okay, I've cast it in my head. Mm. Now you come and you cast it. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. you try to talk me out of my choices. So mm. he came and he, you know, picked who he p picked. And then we kind of compared and talked it through. So that helped. And then even after that point, there was still two days where I was still, yeah. you know. And there was one character I was going to have, or two characters. So I was going to have one actor play. And then I thought, well, the show's more natural than that. Like, and I have so many talented people, mm. so I should probably just cast two people. Yeah. And then, so I had to start rethinking things based <laughs> yeah. on that. But uh, it, it it definitely helps to get other perspectives. Yeah. And our publicist Victoria Laberge, is uh, I've uh, she was my roommate for years, mm -hmm. and she knows me very well. And I'll be thinking, thinking, and I know something, and then she'll come in, and she just like we'll say something I'm like yes that's yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah, I yeah. needed to hear yeah. because you know I know that but I just I'm so caught up in it that I needed that clarity and she yeah. provides a lot of clarity she's uh, she's yeah. great when you were casting it you had the cast in your head and your assistant director when they were presenting this did they suggest anybody that you had already had in your mind yeah some of them some of them were probably easier choice and maybe we had talked a bit before uh and we kind of knew some of the choices but uh uh there were a few other ones and it was useful but uh i pretty much talked him into my choice oh really okay okay, yeah, yeah. okay. well i mean because i'd spent more time with it i know mm -hmm. the story better uh sure. i've you know yeah. i kind of have this vision for it and that's why i wanted to direct too because sure. i like i've spent so much time on it. i was like do i really want to invite another vision at this point mm. whereas if i can bring in other people with other perspectives but not have them leading the whole thing yeah because uh i don't know i just um i'm not super um uh what's the word precious about my stuff mm. but i do have a little bit of, of a sense of okay i can't just give that away you know? no and if no. i had someone in mind maybe i would have but i didn't either mm. so i was like i'm not going to go looking for someone I'll yeah. just do it. See hmm. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. um, what's what's your performance schedule like for for the show? I mean, because with the site specific, you can make your own schedule. Yeah. And you could overdo it. You could do like every night, or you could do like a few nights. What are you guys? What are you guys doing? At well, the I guess night? we've almost overdone it. Then we're doing <laughs> we're doing eleven shows. Uh, nice. We do have one day off, one mm -hmm. night off. Um, so I don't know. I think I think we I think we'll be all right with eleven. I think a what like a yeah, one day off is Yeah, because a lot of good. plays are some people do two shows in a day. And yes. I've done that before, 
And that's more challenging. Yeah, that's like, a lot yeah. to do. It is a bit challenging with singing uh, and acting. Hopefully we're all, fingers crossed, uh, yeah. and keep our voices. But uh, that just comes with territory. I mean, you have musicals, you know, in town, and yeah. those they do tons of shows. So, yeah. you know, if, you were, if you're going to be a professional performer, you've got to be able to deal with a pretty, you gotta be able pretty to, hectic to, schedule. you got to deal with your voice, yeah. Yeah. Um, I always, I think it's good. I mean, it is good that you have a day off because I know, like, Fringe... Mm-hmm. Fringe is not a normal performance schedule. Right. right. There's always so much more that's that that's necessary in in Fringe, like, mm-hmm. the like promoting the show and all that stuff yeah. is such a big deal. And and if you have a large cast, then if you can get everybody going out and doing stuff, then that kind of helps too. But yeah, it's a lot of work to do a Fringe show. And, oh yeah. And uh, yeah. having at least one day off. Yeah, we got our day off in the middle nice. of the run too. So I think we have five shows and a day off, and then six shows. And mm-hmm. the cast is um, nine of us, and then we have a couple assistant directors. Mm-hmm. Victoria is our publicist. Nice. Laura Moniz is our stage manager, and she's been doing Toronto French for like twelve years. So having her perspective, well, she, knows, she is, knows her shit. Yeah, I've worked, yeah. With, I've worked with her. She yeah. knows her stuff. And yeah. uh, and then we're also going to get like a kind of a house band to play on some of the some of the songs nice. as well so nice. it's going to be kind of a, give a little thing. bit of a give it a little bit of a back backup or like for the house band or, well yeah. okay so basically the show kind of the story of the show goes from the present time mm-hmm. where kind of the dive bar is kind of past its glory days and then uh we do go back into the past so in the past things were a little more lively and okay and that's when the, like the rock music was being played mm-hmm. and so on those songs We'll have uh, you know a drummer and a, and a guitar nice, player, nice. just to make it a little more of an actual you know live music show. Nice, yeah. Nice, Chris. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, well, my website is. You don't even need a www. <laughs> believe it or not, k r i s h a g e n dot com. That's chrishagen dot com. Chris with a K. Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook. IMDB. I've got some credits on there. Chris Hagen. Google Chris Hagen. Um, but my website's kind of the best because yeah. it's kind of the, the hub and you can find other stuff from there. It kind of has a <clears throat> bit of, of all, all of my pursuits on there. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much about the show on there yet, but so you can find information on the show at Instagram, Twitter, or at the moment mostly Facebook at Dive Bar Theater. Mm. Um, so that's consistent with all those nice. those forms. Um, so that's where I would go for now. Awesome. I would go there because that's what that's what's happening now. I'm f- dead focused on this show. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be pretty great. I mean, I'm probably biased, but uh, <laughs> I really like my cast. Nice. I think we've got a really um, amazing singers, great actors, and you know, having that site specific thing and. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. Nice. That's awesome. Chris, thank you so much. It's been great. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me. This has been a Homebody Productions production.